0: And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk? I'm Debbie Addis. and welcome especially to our Thursday shows. Love, love, love our Thursday shows. They're unique in at least a couple of ways. One is we have a wonderful studio audience, which is always fun. And we also have the format is very different from the other days. We have one person joining us or sometimes two, but we're on one extended interview for the hour. Uh, today we have joining us Dr. Peter Bregan. I'm going to introduce him in just a moment, and in these ten pages of notes I have in front of me, nine pages are his resume. So I'm not going to read the whole thing, but this is an extremely accomplished man I want to introduce him to in a moment. But before that, I want to mention a couple of kind of um, housekeeping announcements. Um, one is that this show we do every Thursday, uh, and it's a live audience, really, really fun. There will not be Thursday shows during August. So today, being July 21st, we have Dr. Peter Bregan. Next week, July 28th, uh, we have a wonderful guest named Christy Hutcherson. And she founded Women Fighting for America. And she has stirred up things so much um, at the southern border filming what's actually occurring on the southern side, Mexican side, and in America that she now travels with security. She's, she's really seriously going to try to expose what's happening to America um, at our southern border, the danger posed to America. So it's Christy Hutcherson, Women Fighting for America. We're taking August off. The first Thursday, we're back in September, we have, which uh, the first Thursday happens to be September 1st. We have Congressman Louis Gohmert uh, joining us in studio, and he's one of the Kind of legendary uh, in Texas. He's a longtime U.S. Congressman. Um, often the one the conservatives go to figure out what is a conservative answer to this. He's a great, uh, a great uh, character, a great friend, wonderful friend of ours. And um, he'll so that'll be what we look forward to uh, in September. I also want to periodically thank the studio. Um, often you hear people say at the end of their shows, "and thanks to the producer, thanks to this." I'm usually running out of time by the end of the show, so I'm going to say it right now. I'm very grateful for Real News PR and. Real News Communication Network. And on today, on Thursdays, uh, my producer Emilio Diaz, um, wonderful, helpful, and he's out cheering for himself over there in the little booth. But it really is a very wonderful thing to have a great team that pulls this together um, every single week. So I'm very grateful for that. Also grateful for Krista Branch and that music. I Am America It is not just a fabulous song. It's a message about how America gets saved. You know, we are America. The people who stand up and fight and speak up, that's that's who America is. So with those thanks in mind, I want to turn and introduce you to Dr. Peter Bregan. First of all, he and his wife, Ginger, are a team. I love that. I mean, they are a team as in work together, write together. Um, it's just, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, this is their uh, most current and bestseller book called COVID-19 and the Global Predators. We are the prey, as in P-R-E-Y, prey. This is what the book looks like. Um, You can order on Amazon, which I think I did. Uh, You can order other places and their website, I think. But this is uh, his book. It is the most thorough dissection uh, laying out of what happened, how America and the world got clobbered by COVID starting in 2020, and really goes back decades before, laying out the groundwork of how we got here and how we got to the point, could have had such a disastrous, um, really, attack on the uh, health of the people of the world. Before I bring him on, I'm going to tell you very briefly about his background. He has been, I don't like the word maverick, because it can imply that you're you know, uh, disruptive without a good point. But he's a little bit of a medical maverick, meaning he is a psychiatrist. Uh, He's in the state of New York. And uh, early on in his practice of psychiatry, he was challenging what was then very popular, very acceptable, that um, electroshock therapy, or it's actually called ECT, electrical convulsion therapy. But it was a common practice. And he, early on as a psychiatrist, questioned it and said, you know, what's happening, even if you think it appears temporarily to help. It ultimately leads to long-term serious harm, and some of these patients never get over it. And so he, over the years, kept championing that point, Uh, getting around to the time uh, there was a major study done uh, and, and reported on, I think in 2007 or 2008, in which everything he said about this was proven right. Proven right, it has been a, um, a had horrible, detrimental effects. So he's willing to look at the facts on his own, look find the facts for himself, and then speak up. So that was a wonderful thing. He and his wife Ginger, the team, uh, wrote this book along with countless other books. I have a long list of them here, um, but to give you the caliber of this kind of book. The introduction to this book has wonderful lead-ins. Uh, just you know, complimentary statements made at the very beginning, the introduction by Dr. Peter McCullough, you know, nationally renowned doctor speaking up about COVID policy, COVID treatment. Um, also by. The recently and sadly deceased, uh, Dr. Zelenko, Vladimir Zelenko, uh, endorsed this book. And the third one is uh, a female doctor, Elizabeth Lee Vlett, also MD, and all of them wrote great things. But I want to tell you what the uh, little blurb at the beginning was by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And so, And he, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., being the author of The Real Anthony Fauci, what he said about this book. No other book so comprehensively covers the details of COVID-19 criminal conduct, as well as its origins in a network of global predators seeking wealth and power at the expense of human freedom and prosperity under the cover of false public health theories. That about says it all. It's a great, great book. And the other topic in this last point in the intro is that uh, among the newer topics that Dr. Bregan and his wife have been addressing uh, is the question of treatment for children and the, uh, the uh, widespread use of drugs in treating children uh, who have some kind of mental health challenge or appear to have gotten some diagnosis and the uh, massive, in his view, overuse and misuse uh, of drugs on children leading to higher suicide rates, higher rates of mental health challenges for children. So he is, uh, continues from the early time of his practice until today, being someone who just seeks truth, speaks right up. And that might have been the longest introduction I ever did, but please, let's welcome to the show, Dr. Peter Bregan. De- Hi, sir. Deb-
1: Debbie, thank you so much for the introduction. I'm delighted to be on your show and, and with a live audience. Hi, live audience. This is a. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they're waving. They're
1: they're waving. Well, we're
0: <laughs> glad don't... to have you too. And I meant to mention in my intro that you have a show. You do a podcast, and I, is it called Refounding America? Is that right?
1: Yeah, well, it's more than a podcast. Well, yes, one, once a week, Thursday nights, um, at uh, six o'clock, uh, five, uh, five, yeah, six o'clock on Brighteon TV. Bright Eon, like EON TV. And you can see it on Roku. Bright Eon TV is on Roku. So it's a real TV show. And we do that once a week. And that that appears then, uh, you can hear that as a radio show on prn.fm. But we do a lot of things. Uh, My my wife and I uh, do a radio show uh, uh, Thursday nights at uh, 5 o'clock together. We've never done that before. And she's terrific. And that's 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 on um,
0: America Out
1: Loud. By the way, I'm getting a tremendous feedback echo. Is, it, uh, is that happening on your side?
0: OK, you faded out a little bit. You're having tremendous impact. Feedback. Feedback. Oh, yeah. I, I was going to tell you, uh, is the American Outlook thing, is that what it's called? Is that working well?
1: America Out Loud. Out Loud. Is that working well? Yes, a tremendous format, uh, McCullough is on that, he has his radio show on that, and actually Lee leak. so the two of the three people who wrote introductions um, have outlets on America Out Loud. It's really growing, it's very conservative, it's very honorable, and it really speaks truth to power. It's a, it's a good uh, format for people. We do a weekly column on it, um, so it, it's a very good and active website. And, and the interference I had is gone, so thank you for that. Um, and I, I'm really just glad to be here. There's a lot going on right now, and there's many things we could talk about.
0: There, there are many things. I want to just, you know, I do want to be sure to get to the issues I only recently listened to your interview i think on someone else's show you were talking about what is occurring uh with re- with respect to the uh young people in america being every issue that comes along is easier to treat them with more drugs instead of dealing with the issues occurring i want to get to that but i do want to be sure to get and talking about your book uh 19 the global predators so i have all these i don't know if you can see these I have these stickies ready so um <laughs> and and i but i must I'll, I'll do a confession right here i haven't read every word this is the most incredible, comprehensive, and, uh, and powerful book about COVID. And, and I'm gonna back up and just say, one thing I thought was a brilliant thing that you did uh, is that you had toward the end, I have the, yeah, toward the end, which I think really helps people, is I'm gonna start near the end. When people first heard of COVID in January, 2020, and then we began hearing, oh, it came from China, it came from a Wuhan lab. There was such a slow development of people understanding how long it had been underway, under operation. People thought just uh, the first story was it somehow escaped from a lab by mistake and it came from bats or something. And you did a tremendous job in this book laying out the chronology of the uh, pandemic predictions, the planning events. And I still would say today, I don't know what portion of Americans, most Americans still don't really recognize what a preconceived plot or plan this was. And it's a very hard, I'm, I'm not going to interrupt you if you give a long answer, lay out for us what the plot and plan really was that got us to where January 2020 came along and and COVID was released. I mean, and who are the players involved in this?
1: Well, first, it was very shocking to us. Uh, I'm very grounded in science and reality. <clears throat> I've never been watched a lot of TV that talked about conspiracies. Um, I've testified in court against drug companies. uh, So I know about their evil doings, but to testify in court a hundred or more times as I have, you have to be very grounded. But as we got into looking at what, where was Anthony Fauci coming from? Who was he? Why was he making bizarre statements like I am science? where did he get all this power from? Uh, We were very shocked um, to find out what was going on. Well, there are several different strains. Um, One of them goes back to the key time of 2010. In 2010, Bill Gates, along with Klaus Schwab, who is the head of the World Economic Forum, and along with Anthony Fauci, yes, Bill Gates was working closely in collaboration, Fauci calls it a partnership, in 2010, a decade before all this happened. So Bill Gates in 2010 announces the decade of the vaccine. Now, at the time, Bill Gates had been the richest man in the world for more than, I think, 15 years in a row, something bizarre like that. So we're talking about the titan of investments and wealth in America at the time, even more so than now. And when when somebody like that says something like the decade of the vaccines... People with power from around the world are going to start asking, well, how do we invest? What do we do? We want to put money into this because you're the man. You're the man who's the richest in the world. And then he's announcing it along with Klaus Schwab, who has kind of got this tremendous center for the gathering of global predators that he's been conducting since the early 1970s. First, I thought he was an almost comical figure. No, this guy... For example, uh, as a part of, of his organization, he has a, the um, top 100 companies who partner with him on changing the global arrangements of things changing uh, so that there's a global governance above the nations because the nation states keep getting in, getting in the way of the corporations and people like Gates and, and, uh, Bill and uh, Klaus Schwab and the UN running things. They get in the way. And so he's, he, he's got the, some, the top corporations in the whole world aligned with him, signed up as partners with him, and hence with Bill Gates and everything he's planning. Um then we first, we started looking for plans. Was this gate, do they have plans for all this? Um, and it's like God's hand, because I just get there and my fingers start flying over the keyboard. And one night um, I, I, I'm i searching plans and I found find hidden, literally with no attachments or explanations to it, um, a uh, PowerPoint presentation given in mid-summer 2017, so that's uh, six years ahead of, uh, well, 17, yeah. it's uh, three years three years ahead of time, and in this PowerPoint, Bill Gates' organization called SEPI, which is a a uh, vaccine um, foundation that all the companies now are investing in because they have uh, they know Bill Gates is doing this. And in it, in the PowerPoint, the uh, Gates, by the way, I'm getting that tremendous echo again. Is it sound okay to the audience and is it okay? Do I sound okay? You keep,
0: um, yeah, it was just more, a moment ago, you got softer. I'm signal washing his signals in here. You're okay. Yeah, you keep speaking up. You're great. We, we go ahead. Oh,
1: so keep my voice up.
0: <clears throat> yes. So.
1: Up. Um, In this PowerPoint presentation between Bill Gates and WHO, he basically divides up the world when the next pandemic's coming. He says, I'm going to handle the money, I'll handle the production of all these vaccines, we'll take care of all of this, and then World Health Organization, you're going to be the authority to control science and to control medicine. And that's what they did. So then I keep looking some more and I find the master plan behind this PowerPoint presentation. And it's called the CEPI Preliminary Business Plan. It's in the book. The CEPI, uh, uh, and I've got pictures of a lot of this stuff I'm just showing. I wanted people to be able to see pictures of like the PowerPoints. And in this plan, they are working with ALL THE MAJOR HEALTH AGENCIES OF THE UNITED STATES, THEY'RE WORKING WITH THE CHINESE CDC, THEY'RE WORKING WITH MULTIPLE MAJOR CORPORATIONS, WORLD BANK IS INVOLVED, AND IT'S ALL ABOUT TOOLING UP FOR THE COMING PANDEMIC. AND IT'S AN ASTONISHING DOCUMENT, AND IN IT BILL GATES MAKES PRONOUNCEMENTS SUCH AS THE COMPANIES WILL BE COMPENSATED FOR ALL THEIR EXPENSES. He doesn't say by whom, but implied is the federal government and foundations. And this is exactly what happened. Um, Bill Gates set up a situation in which the companies he's investing in would be covered for all their expenses. It's like uh, the biggest wealth boondoggle in the history of the world. Then we go back further to early 2015. And Bill Gates... 217 is already talking about how his foundations are funding RNA and DNA. He doesn't say mRNA, he says RNA and DNA vaccines. And he's working most closely with Pfizer, and then he helps create Moderna. So by the time we get to the situation we're in now, in which we have basically two vaccines dominating America... Moderna and Pfizer, people don't know that there were hundreds of companies that wanted to develop vaccines, but Bill Gates got his vaccines approved in America. Well, no big surprise, because among other things, Anthony Fauci, since 2010, has been on his international vaccine planning committee, which is about just only five or six people, two of them from the UN. And there's Fauci already making plans with Gates and ensuring what is going to show up in America to make these drug companies wealthy and rich, richer and wealthier and more powerful. And so what we basically uncover is a two-pronged attack. One is to increase the wealth of the global predators but the other thing is to increase their power. Because what stands in the way of globalism, these international, without any legality, governances that are being created between, believe it or not, the Chinese communists, the World Health Organization, the World Economic Forum with uh, Klaus Schwab and the um, Bill Gates' numerous foundations, What's being created is an extra-legal government governance in which uh, the UN thinks it's going to be very, very powerful in which Bill Gates thinks it's going to be very, very powerful, but actually pulling an awful lot of the st- strings are the Chinese communists because every global predator we've been able to find, all of the top mm, about 10 technology companies uh, and their founders, all of the top billionaires, Um, all the top most of the big corporations they all are very involved in doing business with the Chinese slave state with the Marxist empire that's expanding in the Far East under China, and they all view China as the up and coming nation that will replace the U.S. Well, why would they be so eager? Because they can do business with these corrupt. Uh, people in China that now, uh, by the way, the four hundred and fifty billionaires in China, they went up on average sixty percent during twenty twenty. That's how much wealth sixty percent average. I mean, our uh, our billionaires went up about on average about like the stock market, whereas our top ten or twelve, including Bill Gates and uh, Michael Bloomberg and, and a bunch of others, you know, they. They went, up, they went up like the 450 Chinese billionaires. They went up about 50%. So all this wealth is coming in. China plays a big role in it and still does. Um, the Biden family is very corrupt in bed with China. I think most people know that now, although the major press doesn't carry it. But to my amazement and shock, the same thing is true with the Obama family and the same thing is true with both Bush families. All of them. The Bush's, Bush, the older George Bush, talked about the new world order at least six, seven times. People think he mentioned it once. You can we document all of this. Uh, you can find it in his in the archives of the uh, of of his uh, his library, the first Bush Library. Henry um, Kissinger, who supposedly helped Nixon open up China, Kissinger became fabulously wealthy as a consultant, bringing in money to China and bringing in money out of China and empowering China. That's Kissinger who's been a, you know, he's been a consultant to the Republicans and Democrats. So we're really enmeshed in a situation that very few people realize. And Bill Gates himself, after investing in, he actually gives money to the CDC. He's given money to the FDA through these, court, these sort of funds, foundations that they're attached to. Uh, people in South Africa tell me he controls the South African CDC. Bill Gates is Beloved in China by uh, Xi Jinping. He probably the only American that has two outstanding awards from China for being a friend of China. This Bill Gates, our boy from America. Um, this all cannot be exaggerated. It's outlined in the book. Thank you for the wonderful introduction to the book. Um, really, really appreciate that.
0: Well, I want to say I meant to say when I was introducing your book, um, which I really urge everyone to purchase. Again, it's called "Covid-19: The Global Predators We Are the Prey." It is footnoted and detailed, and often excerpts from documents to which they're referring are included in the do- in the book. It's really there's not it's not speculative and it's not it's, it's not um, you know theoretical. It, it's a very Founded in fact, rooted in fact, rooted in documents uh, that that are other people able to read. I think the the reason I started with the chronology in the back is because once you realize how long prior to our the seeming outbreak of COVID, all of this was in play. All of this was lined up, planned ahead of time, um, and all these players were involved. You, you then start to feel like well, then the the whole world got played got got yeah. taken, got played. But I want to turn then. So, and I love the history. It's important to understand. And it's important to understand that our policy in America, uh, in dealing with the, with COVID people, I mean, obviously some people knew this, but for many people, they didn't know all this. All they knew was, gosh, is this a scary virus and people are keeling over and we're not sure how to treat it. But then you have, so Fauci's involved, Dr. Fauci's all in the beginning. Actually, my quick question on COVID-19, the global predators. So they're Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab. Um, they, uh, I know you, I'm just kind of capturing the title of your book, Bill Gates, Klaus Schwab, uh, many of the major pharmaceutical companies, uh, the the, the uh, banks that fund them, uh, international players who have as an agenda, not just to create a virus and cause a problem and cede power, but it's a larger globalist agenda. It's a larger globalist agenda to essentially remove freedom from the world and certainly to weaken America to strengthen this global um, cabal. Is that accurate?
1: Yes, and it explains exactly what the handlers of Joe Biden are accomplishing. The weakening of America is critical to the globalists having power. And I left out one very important segment of this huge picture, which which is what actually got me and Ginger to overcome our our, resistance to getting deeply involved in a whole new area of life. And that was, we found out that SARS-CoV was being made in laboratories by a collaboration of China and the US. We found this medical paper describing how the, how the Fauci is funding working with Wuhan and working with um, uh, the University of North Carolina, in particular at Chapel Hill, but with a little involvement of Harvard and a little involvement of the FBA, FDA, and they're actually building, quote, SARS-CoV yep. right at the lab and they're building the spike protein. And then we find another paper in which uh, the acknowledgments are thanking China for, for helping out with building the spike protein specifically. And it just blew us away. And actually, we managed to get those materials, our video and our, um, our reports. We got them to the inner circle of Trump. I'm not a big political person. I mean, I don't know any of these people, but we knew somebody who knew them and they got it right to the Trumps. And Trump canceled Fauci's funding of the Wuhan Institute. Big deal, never made the major press and barely made ever made any press. But that was a big deal to us. So we thought, well, we're having an effect. We got to do this full time. And ever since that, ever since we had that initial impact, which is April of 2020, going back that far, we've been working on these issues.
0: Okay, so what accounts for this, Dr. Bregan? You've been a um, pioneer as a psychiatrist, as a doctor, willing to just uh, investigate the facts independently, not be pushed around by the medical community. But So all of what you laid out in this book, which is, which is just brilliant, and, and I love what uh, Robert Kennedy had to say about it, but why in America when you had, I mean, Dr. Fauci, and you also go through in the book, Dr. Fauci was pushing remdesivir uh, in hospitals when it was performing poorly in experiments. It's a terrible drug. It's hurting people. Yet he kept pushing it at the same time, diminishing the role and the efficacy of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and things that work. But what happened to the entire medical community in America? I mean, we have independent organizations like America's Frontline Doctors, Dr. Simone Gold. But why did so many doctors just go along with the Fauci, uh, you know, push on how to handle COVID and not stand up against what he was doing?
1: Well, it's a tough question, but I think that first to look at doctors as a group, we are trained in a very authoritarian system. We, you know, and we are rightly taught from the beginning that our decisions that we make, you know, uh, are life and death at times. We've got to, you know, really know what we're doing. But it's an authoritarian system. And I think that sets us up for being submissive to authoritarian systems. Another thing is that we have a tremendous investment Financially, especially nowadays, not so much when I was went through training, but now the financial investment in medical school is enormous. So by the time you become a trained physician, you've had four years of college, four years of medical school, and at least three or four years, and it can be many more, of additional training. So you're just getting up there to 12 and 15-year commitments. Now you have children, you have a mortgage. Are you going to stand up to the threat from your, literally, your licensing board in your state, that if you speak against the prevailing uh, information coming out of the CDC and out of Fauci and so on, they will be called the narrative uh, that you will lose your medical license. And if you see your colleagues being thrown out of their professorships for writing a scientific paper, Uh, promoting good treatments for COVID-19, you're going to wonder about promoting good treatments. Then you see people thrown out of their clinical uh, circumstances in the hospitals. Um, Then you find that your colleagues won't even discuss these issues with you. You're not permitted to discuss whether the vaccines are killing tens of thousands of people in America in the greatest mass murder ever committed by medicine. Uh, And you look at this and um, you're bamboozled. You don't know what to do. The other side of it, to give you an idea of that this has been going on for a long time, in Nazi Germany, um, physicians and especially psychiatrists, I'm a psychiatrist, especially psychiatrists were the major professional supporters of Hitler. Second place were the lawyers. And I think it has to do with all that training, and um, for for many doctors, the training knocks the belief of God and spirituality out of them, uh, because it's so scientific, so rationalistic. So what I have found, and, and I'm Jewish, my wife's Christian. Uh, what I what we have found is that almost every doctor. Not everyone, but almost every doctor who's making a fight of it is either a very God-oriented Jew like myself and my dear friend Zelenko, who's dead now and is a professor at Yale who's in a similar situation. A few Jews, but almost all of them are religious Christians. Yep. So uh, this this becomes a, a powerful counter force. But the numbers, is, as you're saying, suggesting, are relatively small.
0: Um, I lo- that's actually a perfect segue to turning to your uh, psychiatry and your assessment of what's occurring with young people. I, mean, I do want to wrap up on your book, but it's a great segue in a moment to turn to talking about what you do uh, and your commentary today about young people and the suicide rates and drugs being prescribed and what's occur- what, how our society is treating young people. But to wrap up on your book, I really want to commend you for your bravery, and I know you and your wife together to write it, to research it. I noticed a note on that one page when you came across the document, uh, the Bill Gates document, uh, Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness and Innovations at CEPI, you made a discovery, as you put in your book, I made a discovery that made us stop the presses, put on a hold, and and reassess what was occurring. So, you are diligent researchers, and this book is really a gift to America. I know it's been best selling, but for people to understand someone of your repute, experience, diligence in researching, spelling out for people, because I still think I have no scientific basis to say that. I still think half of America or more is just happy if we're not getting COVID anymore, happy if we get to not wear a mask, happy we get to go to work. That's all they want to know. Are are we done? And they don't want to uncover what was behind it, but if it isn't uncovered, it just allows it to lay in place, and for the next launch, the next, which we are now seeing, the next virus is coming, the next virus right. is coming, uh, and, and to understand how orchestrated it was, uh, it, it's just vital for people to be able to free themselves. You did have, at the end of the book, I was gonna mention too, you had a great thing um, about what we should do, and you know, what we should do as citizens, and as, um, okay, I even have these labeled here, gotta find that quickly, <laughs> but, um, Yeah, you actually, you wrote one more thing. You wrote a Fauci Bill of Particulars. You got to know I love that. A Fauci Bill of Particulars, what exactly he's done wrong, really, really great thing. And then basically you wrote about uh, action steps to save freedom. It's in chapter 36, page 485. Action steps to save freedom. Because this is really what we're talking about. It's not just health or not getting Mm. COVID. It's freedom. It's freedom itself, and mankind having exercised in their God-given freedoms. I just can't, I can't commend you strong enough about the book. But I do want to turn... Thank and, you. Yep, yeah, thank you. Uh, I want to talk, turn and talk about the um, your practice of psychiatry. And I meant to say in your introduction, and I uh, didn't get around to it, but uh, Dr. Bregan, our guest today, was once called... Um, The Conscience of Psychiatry by Bertram Caron, professor of psychology at Michigan State University. And part of what's such a blessing about what you bring to psychiatry is your uh, open and and advocacy for the place of faith, place of love, the the place of, of human interaction instead of looking at children as a little, you know, um, carbon unit to be injected and and treated. But I want to interrupt ourselves and play a quick clip. It's from your website. Uh, If we have that, we have that, Mr. We do, Mr. Million. Okay. Well, quick play this clip from the beginning of your website.
1: Here are four principles for living like an American. Protect freedom. Take responsibility at all times. Express gratitude for every gift and opportunity. Become a source of love. Once again, these are the times that try our souls. We must find the strength and the courage to rise up to re-found America in the spirit of liberty.
0: Okay. I love that. I love that video. Mm. We have him back, right? Okay. I I love that video and I love the um, tying together about, you know, it's freedom over fear. It's also a reasserting the place of faith and the place of love. So let's just dive in and it's, uh, there was a uh, has been commentary recently about the growing number of mental health problems among young people and especially the suicide rate. And people stand back and they say, why would that be? America is such a great country. What's wrong with these kids? What's happening? And I, I don't this is another really big question. to Let you just launch. But why <laughs> would that be? What, what is it that is happening in America that would cause
1: this to be the case? First, let me identify that what you played, and that's very sweet of you to do that, is the introduction to our TV show, which is Reclaiming America, um, Refounding America and Reclaiming Ourselves, which is on Brighty on TV and on Roku. There's a lot of different forces that have been really injuring our children for a long time. One of them is, is uh, from the Capitalism Unleashed and one of them is from Marxism Unleashed. The Capitalism Unleashed is we've turned our children into a market. So whatever you can sell to kids now, you know they get a voice with their parents, they influence their parents, their parents see it. So uh, whether it's junk food or a premature exposures to sexuality, or uh, whether it's these these woke uh, uh, movies that they watch, um, they're constantly being fed stuff. And of course, they also on TV are gonna see the ads for the various drugs and medications. So they've made a market of our kids. And for example, the, the diagnosis of ADHD um, is unreal. There's no basis to it whatsoever. Uh, there are so many reasons children lose their attention, if you assume that's what ADHD really means, it's supposed to mean that, poor attention. I mean, it's everything from they're bored, they haven't learned to read yet, the teacher is boring, there's trouble at home, mom's yelling at dad, mom's yelling at the kids, um, dad's yelling at everybody, you know, who knows what's going on. But when kids don't have attention in these classrooms, It doesn't really mean much. The most important statistic we have is that kids who get labeled ADHD are predominantly the youngest in the class. Big surprise. (laughs) So it's a fake diagnosis created by the drug companies pushed through the U.S. Department of Education and teachers. That's where it began. Workshops for teachers and making a fortune on Ritlin. That's where it all began. And now we got the multiple drugs and all the drugs are addictive. All these drugs suppress spontaneity and caring. Children quote do better on these drugs only if you want a more docile child whose actual normal social drives have been inhibited. So they don't talk in class. They don't bother their other kids in class and furthermore they affect a part of the brain called the basal ganglia that makes the children OCD so if you do a good study one was done by NIMH and then they were embarrassed by it showed that 50% of the kids on Ritalin became classified as having OCD obsessive compulsive disorder so they'll sit and they'll listen obsessively to the teacher. Their imaginations are stunted. So they're not thinking about the world anymore, the girls, the boys. And, of course, 90% of the kids were um, have been uh, boys because they're the ones who have less conformity and so on. So they try to expand it to ch- girls, but not too successfully. So they're marketing to children. But that's just one part of this destructiveness. The other is that uh, we have introduced into our school systems Marxist curriculums. They've excluded God from the schools and brought in Marxism. That's quite an exchange. And a part of the principle of Marxism is to destroy what exists and in particular to destroy family life and to set people against each other, to divide people, because that's how you get people who will be docile toward the government. One of the things we've seen about uh, this predominant group of Christians who are doing the fight as physicians against uh, these oppressive things is they also believe deeply in family, of course, and we've actually met more loving husbands and wives than ever before in our careers, working with these Christians who are fighting against the um, prevailing medical oppression. So they want to destroy the family. And one of the things they've been doing, in, 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 for example, in California, there's just some new disclosures on teaching children about um Various deviations in sexuality from the norm, which is uh, boys and girls seeing themselves as boys and girls. And again, I, I'm actually not uh, not hostile toward people being gay. I work with gay people. I have gay people in my practice, which is really a sacred thing to me that they that they trust me, knowing I'm straight heterosexual because I really you know, support them. But that's different. I mean, gay, gay people come to that conclusion on their own, usually very young in, in their lives. They're not being pushed in that direction by teachers and having great confusion added. They know they feel different from within themselves. What our schools are doing is seducing children, grooming children now to have so many deviations that it takes multiple different names to name them. Teachers in California introduce themselves now as I'm so-and-so, I'm a bi-sexual, and so i am a bisexual and i am Latino, and I'm proud of it, and um, so on and so forth. But they don't announce themselves as Christian or Jewish. I mean, that's not a part of the game. The game is to undermine prevailing traditions And if they can do enough of this, the Chinese are going to have a lot less problems taking over America and the world. So our kids are being bombarded from terrible places. Now, naturally, that leads them to be more depressed and more anxious. And guess what happens then? They get the antidepressants. Ginger and I wrote a massive bestseller back in 1994 called Talking Back to Prozac. I became the world's expert on all of that because I was asked to be the single scientific experts for over a 100, like 150 lawsuits against Eli Lilly for allegedly causing uh, mayhem and murder and suicide from their drugs. So I really was up on this real early and had tremendous ability to... uh, Study how the drug companies work and how the FDA works. It was always, all that was a part of my mandate as a single scientific expert. And what I found out very early was these drugs were causing violence and suicide. So we now give drugs to children that will cause violence and suicide when they're depressed and anxious. And one of the results of that is that several of the largest child mass murderers have been on SSRIs. I've been a legal expert in cases surrounding um, Columbine, and uh, the main Columbine shooter was on an antidepressant loot box, it's very similar to Prozac, very similar to Celexa and Lexapro, and all all these drugs are one group, they're extremely similar. They're lumped together in textbooks and uh, in, in which, uh, if they're honest textbooks, they say they, they cause suicidality, not just in children, but we're talking about kids right now, and they cause violence. As a medical expert, cases surrounding the Aurora Theater shootings, also in Cairo, two of the worst mass murders we've ever had in the United States. Both people were on antidepressants. Um, the uh, the shooter in uh, Aurora eventually ran out of his antidepressants, but by then he was already horrendously psychotic. And many, many admissions to mental hospitals are people psychotic on the antidepressants. So we're just coming at our children from so many awful ways, it's gonna take a real, revolution i don't mean a violent revolution but a real revolution to transform the way we treat our kids we got to get them out of the public schools and into alternative systems the alternative systems have to become the normal systems and we've got to make sure that they are being taught by people who believe in america and have relatively sane outlooks on children (laughs)
0: You probably can't tell because in this studio audience, but I'm hearing a few people who kind of saying, yeah, yeah, yes. Well, I will tell you, I want to loop back to uh, pull some strings together. There was a, a thank you for all of that. Um, a couple, one string I want to pull together is the role of the uh, pharmaceutical companies. We talked about it with respect to COVID. Well, over here also on this domestic side and, and of or other side of children and their struggles with mental illness when you take God out of a sense of your identity and you're just a, you know, one expression, you're just a carbon unit, you know, you're just a, you know, an injectable unit like that Dr. Harari said, um, then, you know, when you have any issue going on, the uh, pharmaceuticals, any challenge, any upset, the pharmaceutical company is ready to jump in and say, oh, but we have this. And so then again, you have the medical community, the the psychiatrists, Wanting to find some solution and since re-inspiring faith and love and a sense of God-given identity is Mm -hmm. not viewed as medical the easy answer as well because this happened you probably need this so you have again I was reminded of that um, military industrial complex analogy is like the yeah it's like the pharmaceutical medical industry medical bureaucracy complex that exactly yeah is perpetuating this and for children, you know, when you are uh, growing up in a loving home and parents paying attention, you had kids, your your ADHD analogy, when you said there is no such thing. We used to laugh about that. My kids are grown, but when they were little, you know, at, you would read these things. Oh, a teacher says so-and-so has ADHD. It's just like, yeah, what she's saying is he's a boy and he's really bored because this class is boring. I mean, you, they, you know, letting kids be kids, a little rambunctious, you know, if they need to be sit in the hall for five minutes to settle down we used to know how to do that and and the the presence and power of these massive pharmaceutical companies and their snake-like integration into the medical community the psychiatric community it's like the kids have no shot at, at, at unless they've got parents standing up for them it, it's, it's truly amazing and and wonderful to expose I, I was i hope i wasn't making noise i was leafing through my papers trying to find the name of your book you had a book, Talking Back to Prozac. Wasn't that the name of it?
1: Yes, we have a couple of books that we've done on those issues. There's a Talking Back to Prozac, which is um, uh, it's a hard harder book to read. You know, I'd recommend Medication Madness. That's my most recent book on what these drugs do to everybody and how to come off of the drugs. That's Medication Madness. It's a paperback. Um, If you're more studious, you can get a medical book of mine, which is also fairly recent, and that's Psychiatric Drug Withdrawal. And that's a handbook for uh, prescribers, patients, families, um, therapists. It's a handbook for anybody, uh, uh, but it's published by a medical publisher, very scientific. Um, Those are the two books um, that I think are the, the most recent and up to date on these issues. But yeah, i published books on all those issues.
0: Um, we're going to get, getting to the point where we uh, have a microphone that we can pass around the audience. They can ask questions. But I really liked your point, too, or I'll, I'll do my spin on it, or my thought on it is, you know, when you have a, a political ideology like Marxism and they simply want to be, the, the primary quest is to be in control and control your lives, children are the most, they're the most obvious and vulnerable and logical target. Get to those children early. And then, as you say, take God out of public schools, take any notion of of prayer or or even God-given identity uh, out of public school contemplation and consideration. And then you have the uh, upsetting the whole role of parents and family with schools encouraging gender confusion and telling you when you're five years old, you get to pick your own gender. I mean, which most of America does not agree with. Americans don't want this happening. But the public schools and, and you know, I'm, I really i am going to go on a ramble very quickly. But here in the great state of Texas, we had our governor a few years ago after a school shooting put in psychiatric centers not in physically every school, but designating a psychiatric center for every public school area, and it has only increased the number of diagnosed diagnosed problems, and it has empowered completely uneducated teachers to designate a child who is a little bit out of line, you know, probably has XYZ, they start examining the family. I I mean, it's just this utter disruption of the normal uh, life of a child and it is being imposed on them by the state and by their government. And while, if you want to respond to that, and then we'll pass our microphone around. Do you have a response or that? Yeah, there's nothing that?
1: more dangerous than empowering mental health in the schools. I'm totally against it as a psychiatrist and a therapist. Because as much to these people are so compliant, these kind of counselors with authority, another group very compliant to authority, and they just, they refer the kids out for drugs. They don't have enough people to treat them. It would be possible to create a very expansive, good counseling system if indeed uh, we got rid of the other one because there'd be a lot of money available to do it. But it's not going to happen. The organized money is all behind the drugs and diagnoses. And they go together. The diagnoses are basically to drug people now.
0: Yeah. You know, you also talked in this other interview I saw about all the societal things happening with the breakdown of the family and instead of dealing with the problems that are causing the child upset we just the child is the problem it must be drugged and medicated but honestly the whole notion of taking more responsibility as adults as society to fix the problems leading to this child that that was just a huge and again i have to commend your bravery i, I just honest to goodness i don't know how many psychiatrists. yeah I don't know how many psychiatrists will do this, but you're you're just really you're you're a giant in the world of helping people uh, figure out how do we get out of the mess we're in with children. Okay, so we probably have questions and speak way up in the microphone because okay. you Okay, be doctor.
2: First of all, God bless you. I am yeah. so so enthralled with every word that comes out of your mouth. It is like from Sinai. Uh, my <laughs> mother of blessed memory. Uh, was very very upset when my pediatrician told me to give my son who is very active Ridlin and uh, she said absolutely not tell him to give it to his own children not to my grandchildren and She told me to go to the rabbi the rabbi said you know in the olden days kids would get up in the morning And they would feed the livestock and they'd work on the farm and by the time they got to school They were tired and they didn't and they stayed in their seats however um, today, uh, So the rabbi said, "Take, get up early and, and run around the block a few times with your son, and he'll be fine when he gets to school, and it actually worked. But oh, what wow. I wanna have a question <laughs> here also yes. is, um, what about, what's happening with all of these um, uh, children who have, oh my golly, uh, what did the word, the. Uh, um, had,
0: had COVID?
2: No, no not COVID. But allergies, allergies. When I was growing up on a farm, a 50-acre farm in New York State, we ate dirt. (laughs) I mean, nobody had
1: allergies. What is going on now with children with allergies? Well, that's a great segue into something I wanted to make sure I said. I think very likely, we don't have the evidence yet, nobody wants to study it, that the multiple injections Of allergens that we're giving to our children uh, to treat, you know, very to, you know, for measles and mumps and all the various other things, they are probably overstimulating our immune systems. And that, uh, because we've noticed this too, we, um, Ginger's mom lives with us, she's 94 years old. She does not, just doesn't have all the allergies and stuff that we do. And uh, I, I do think that it's the just, you can map probably the increasing use of vaccines. And I'm not against all vaccines. I'm favor of doing a scientific analysis of them, which has never been done, but because of the drug companies, but some of them obviously are saving lives. Um, but I want to just quickly say, mom, dad, all of you out in the audience, if you want to get one message today of vast importance, do not allow your children to be vaccinated for COVID. Don't do it. And, yeah. and if you can spread that word to other people, don't let them. Children need to get the COVID illnesses. There's, there's the the rate of death is bordered on zero. You can't find a statistical rate of death. It's so low for children, and the one or two or three in the country that may have been found maybe to have died were so sick you would from other things you wouldn't know what caused their deaths. But when they get a COVID, they then. They then become much more immune than they will ever become from any of the vaccines. So let them get immunity, let them become part of community immunity. You do the whole world a favor, you save your child from, from dying from sudden unexplained death or from myocarditis or getting neurological disorders and getting sterile. So. Do not let your child get vaccinated and do what you can to prevent other people. So thank you for the question which enabled me to get that in.
0: Thank you for
2: saying that. We do have, yep, go ahead. um, I really appreciate your dedication to good research. And I'm wondering what you think about social and emotional learning in the classroom. I've looked at a lot of those programs and they seem to be bringing like kids toward being depressed, or anxious, or angry, or, or things that they then will diagnose them uh, with some kind of diagnosis that will lead them to medication. I'm wondering if you've done anything on that, or if you could just give us some feedback mm. on what that's doing in the classrooms, along with the ACES exam, you know, tests and trying to mark children as having a mental health problem.
1: It's all the devil's work, so help me, and I don't even believe in the devil, it's my metaphor for evil, but um, I I appreciate people who do believe in it. But no, it's, it's all the devil's work. The psychiatric mental health community, by excluding God, by excluding personal sovereignty, by excluding personal responsibility, makes children and adults worse. I'll give you a simple example. Um, I do a lot of couples work. Couples come to me as a last resort by just who I am. So they come to me and they've had three other couples therapy but they heard me or, or whatever and thought they'd give it a try. So we talked the first day and, and uh, first I, I asked them, do you love each other? And they look at me stunned. They, they, they've never been asked. They've never talked about love in couples therapy. These are usually, usually married people. So I ask them, and it commonly happens that they once were in love, and now they honestly don't know. And I, I say to them, well, look, if you're once in love, you can probably be in love again. But we have to work on getting rid of what you do to each other that, that gets in the way of you're not having love. And then I say, well, is, um, are you Christian, Jewish? You have God in your life? And they said, yes, but you're the first psychiatrist we've ever seen a therapist who even asked us whether we had God in our lives. I said, well, you know, if you follow the basic principles, and I say, and I'm Jewish, but if you especially follow Jesus's commandments, which, you know, his big commands was to, to love one another as I love you and to love God, we, we can build a tremendous relationship between you two on that because I want to help you love each other above your complaints, your anxieties, your jealousies. I want to teach you to bring love into all your communications so that you start life new. So and then then comes one of the biggest ones, which is and doctor, you're talking like we can control our emotions. We've been told by every psychiatrist that it's not under our control our emotions. And I said, I, all of all of philosophy, history, and religion—that's any good—teaches us not to be victims of our emotions. We can actually develop. We can garden our thoughts and feelings, get the weeds out, and become more loving, more responsible people. And if there's a little boy in this group I'm talking to, I say, and and, and you're you're only six, Jamie, but it's true for you too. You're going to learn to talk more respectfully to your parents and they're going to learn to talk more respectfully to you. And by God, you're going to learn never to hit your sister because, wow, big brother hitting sister. I mean, that's not what those muscles are for and I might feel his muscles I'm going talk with him about it and how much the sister's going to love him in the future if he never beats him, it's her, hits her, supports her. So all these moral issues I bring up, all these concepts for living are... For pretty much foreign to everybody who's been in therapy of any kind, social workers, psychologists, psychiatrists. We've we've taken everything important out of daily living and out of therapy as a result, too.
0: That was a beautiful answer. Honest to goodness, the idea that people come to a psychiatrist and I don't know what they are expecting, but to be just asked those basic questions about love and what's what's your faith or your you know what, what, where's where your faith standing, I, I mean those seem so central to happiness in life and central to a marriage and to think that's never talked about that's that's pretty that's pretty sad and that's great. I, probably I was too bad. We can't send more couples your way, to for your yeah, <laughs> or yeah your please, don't care. In, please
1: don't please don't me. I've got a nice balance.
0: <laughs> okay, well it's our secret then. All right. <laughs> are there any questions? Other out here? Anybody? No, no, no. Okay, actually, one. The microphone right there. I will to ask a
2: question.
0: But, um, Dr. Bregan, I've been in healthcare for 24 years, and I have two sons that are 13 and 10. And I just want to echo everything you said today. I could not have said it better. It's 100% how I feel. Regarding the vaccine, I do everything I can to stand up against that and to fight for my children Um, and also having God in the home. I think it's extremely important. So those are two issues that are probably my my biggest passion. So thank you.
1: Well, and thank you for what you're doing.
0: Well, Dr. Bragan, this has been a treat. I am so grateful you happen to be available uh, and that Ginger got back. I love that you... I think last time you were on my show, we talked about this. It's really nice to work with your spouse. If you actually like each other and have fun together, it's a wonderful thing. So uh, I'm really happy for both of you. And I thank you for this book. Again, for our listeners, you really should... I'm not going to say read and memorize, but read this book, <laughs> COVID-19 and the global predators we are the prey, and one reason to do it is to have facts at your disposal so when people try to argue to you that, you know, Dr. Fauci and the federal government they were doing the best they could, they were trying <laughs> yeah. to help, you've got some facts ready to respond or just send them the book because I think as part of our society's effort to get freedom back, to get America back, we have to be able to spread truth. Do you have a parting, it's like you were gonna say something, go ahead.
1: Well, I'd like to tell people they can get, oh, I'm sorry, were you asking me?
0: Yes, go ahead, yep. Yes, you. Yes, Dr. Bregan, I thought you had one more thing to say, excuse me.
1: Yeah, I did, oh, you're looking at me on the camera, got me all confused. Sorry. You can get the books at a discount from us, if you like, and it helps us, with our investment getting the books out. And that's to go to weartheprey.com. We are the prey.com. We are the prey.com. We are the get,
0: prey.com. Okay. Get a discount. Okay. Uh Dr. Bregan, Stellar Book, Stellar Interview. Thank you so very much.
1: Great show. Amazing time with you. Thank you.
0: Thank you, sir. Thank you. Okay. And for everyone watching on America Can We Talk, we'll be back next week with a woman who founded and is at the southern border a lot, Christy Hutcherson. She founded Women Fighting for America. uh, She is one... Amazing woman coming uh, coming to Dallas for the interview, and then we take all of August off on our Thursday show. But if you listen every day, I'll still do shows in August Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. So Monday uh, Monday through Wednesday. Best place to watch is at our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org. AmericaCanWeTalk.org. We always post shows afterward on Rumble. You can watch on Twitter. You can watch on Facebook. But we love having come to our website. And again, I'll plant the seed about our October 15th summit. We have tickets now available online. We have sponsorships available online. And we have have a great, great lineup. I'd love to have you join us in Dallas, October 15th. And for now, thank you so very much for tuning in to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. we talk truth
2: about America.